1997, después de 150 años de historia en ING, decidimos replantearnos nuestra forma de hacer banca para adaptarnos a los nuevos tiempos. Nos de desaparecer. This is Death by DVD. I am your host, Hank, the world's greatest, and tonight is a special episode. A special sode, if you will. It is a celebratory episode as to we are turning 11 years old. July 9th, 2009 was the first episode of Death by DVD, and this is being released on July 9th, 2020. I don't know when you're listening to it, but its release date is our birthday, and thus, we're gonna party. We're gonna celebrate. I don't know how much we're going to party, but we're going to try and celebrate. We're doing something a little bit differently here on this episode. Uh, initially, I was going to go on a very lengthy monologue about the history of Death by DVD and how it came to fruition and the story of Alexander Nash and Hank and how we came together and how we've managed to continue doing this show for 11 years. But all of you will be spared that awful, awful, way too long rant because instead we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to take some questions from our audience, our what we used to call mutant audience, until Joe Bob Riggs came back. Now we can't use that anymore. Thanks, Joe Bob. Our friends, our fans, those of you out there in Radio oh, Land that so have listened this is Radio for Land, huh? weeks, the infinite months, turtle, the, some of the you a couple years, and many of you from forever. the very beginning. I'm happy and proud to say that we do have a lot of like OG audience members. There are people that have been around since the original show, and... The reason this ended up happening is we were going to do, you know, let's let Hank have a very long monologue and he can rant and ramble all he wants to. And then we'll answer some questions and it'll be a nice little packaged episode and fill about 45 minutes. And hey, it's a product, right? Product, product, product. It's just something to put out. Well, that's not a lot of fun. And we ended up getting a lot more questions than we thought we were going to get in the first place. And to make things even better, once we got a load of questions, we decided, fuck it, let's not let me know what they are. Alexander Nash doesn't know what they are. You might have noticed, though, it is a little quiet. Alexander Nash is not here tonight. He's washing his hair and will return whenever it's dry. So I don't know if these questions were picked because they're the best for the show or the best for me to answer or they're going to get me all antsy and my pantsy. We'll find out. Maybe most of them are just saying, hey, you guys suck. I, I, I really don't know. We had a third party go through all these questions and then email them to me with the names of the people that sent them. So without further ado, I guess let's get it started in here. Now, I probably shouldn't bring this up. Wasn't the song originally called Let's Get Retarded in Here and then they had to, you know, change it because that's incredibly insensitive and an awful thing to name a song. And then it was Let's Get It Started in Here and Fergie Peter Pants. Because of that, or this is the problem when there's not someone else on the show to, to keep me focused. Because uh, we were going to answer questions and somehow something, I don't know why we're on Fergie peeing your pants. I'm I'm sorry. So, questions. I think I'm probably the worst person that could have been left in charge of answering questions uh, for the sake and honor of Death by DVD, but we're, we're going to venture through this. We're going to really try hard, and I'm going to give my, my college try here. I'm going to try and not be completely sarcastic. And since Alexander Nash is not here, if questions are fielded directly for him, I'll give my best to answer them. And once his hair is dry, uh, he'll come forth and maybe answer them too. And before we really dive into this entire thing, this isn't a one-time segment. 
Uh, it could be. It's all depending on you. You can email us at deathbydvdofficial at gmail.com. You can tweet us, DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. If you have a question, if there's a movie that you would love to hear us talk about, please. This has been really joyous to, to get feedback and just to know, just to be told, um, you know, there's a lot. There was like 20, 22 questions, and I think it was singled out to about 10, maybe 11 good ones that uh, I don't know if they're good for the show or good for me. We're going to find out. Those were narrowed down on what we're about to get into. I guess I should have opened my email before we did this. Shit. Wow, I, I don't have filler for the whole email segment. We just literally have to open Gmail. We're logged in, though. It won't be long. We'll, we'll maybe put some music in the background, make it a little bit more pleasant for the audience. Man, I was ill-prepared for this. <laughs> we thought this would be an easy concept, but you know what? Nothing's easy when it comes to death by DVD after 11 years. All right, here we are. Oh, man. Okay, so let's get into this first one. This is from Alex. I started listening around Christmas and have noticed there are lots of jokes, references to there being more than one Hank. You guys mentioned there are older episodes. Is that from those? Shit. Oh, man. Right off the bat, it's a motherfucker of a question. The lore and legend of Hank and Death by DVD goes very far back, and a lot of the rumors that I'm aware of, what I've heard from other people I will neither say are true or false, is that the show originally was founded by Alexander Nash and a man named Hank Defer T. Sawyer. And eventually, after about a season or so, Hanktifer disappeared into the northern Virginia woods and is regularly spotted to this day as a cowboy hat wearing Bigfoot. I, again, cannot confirm neither here nor there. There are, uh, there are rumors that the second Hank was arrested for some crimes against humanity and is in Guantanamo Bay. The third Hank apparently was some British actor a uh, very well-trained Shakespearean thespian. They say that he's famous, but has kept his identity hidden. Um, some say it might be Ian McKellen. And, and then the rumor goes that a film critic, filmmaker, writer named Harry Scott Sullivan took the, the Hank role over and has been performing for several years now with Death by DVD. But um, all of these things are rumors. All of these things, it's hearsay. It's, it's, it's horse hockey. It's just not true. None of these things. And, you know, you hear them. You find them on the corners of the Internet. And what you just need to know is uh, Death by DVD was founded by two people that truly care about horror. And not just horror, I mean, but film in general, but specifically the, the basis of Death by DVD was founded on a mutual love of horror and exploitation. Alexander Nash and myself, uh, when the show came to fruition, that was our goal, was to discuss horror and horror history and uh, upcoming horror films, there were, there were, the whole show was segmented differently, and it was a, a very different beast. It was a live show, um, so you know each performance we really attempted to have jokes. We attempted to have a lot of humor and zingers and one-liners. And you know the the first episode was July 9th, two thousand and nine, and humor was very different back then. So we were much more coarse, I guess you could say coarse. We were much more blue, much more offensive. Um, I don't know, it was college humor. It was a lot more dick and fart based, and it wasn't, um, you know, examinations of Zardoz and Blade Runner. We certainly weren't really talking, I'd, I don't think, at the time of a lot of important things, you know, some, some facts and trivia. And I think it was just a really basic show. We uh, wanted to showcase and talk about horror. We wanted to uh, share that mutual love and the passion that both of us had. And over the years, that's obviously evolved and changed into a an overall film in general thing. I mean, we, we really get into a lot of weird territories on Death by DVD, but at, at its core, horror, exploitation, psychotronic cinema, um, just lost movies, weird movies, weird movies. I mean, just something that makes you think. And uh, recently, obviously, the, the shows sometimes go off the deep end. You know, we did a political examination of Rollerball, something that a lot of people otherwise would think is laughable until you fucking watch Rollerball and apply it to what's going on politically in the United States. Not just the United States, but the world right now. And yada, 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 yada. You know, you see how it just can go completely out of control here. But, you know, you have that lore of the multiple Hanks. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to say... Uh, you know, because what, what anything I say is going to be damning. Anything that I say is going to add on to this whole 
legacy, which I didn't start by any means. Neither did I, Alexander Nash. It's just something people have noticed over the years. There are uh, a couple different pictures of Hank floating around, and people like to say, ah, it's completely different. It's not the same person. He doesn't sound the same. Listen to every episode. He doesn't sound the same. Sometimes he sounds different. Uh, And whatever. Maybe I have a cold. I smoke a lot. You don't know. You you don't know. So uh, I guess I've just completely bounced this question all around and have no no true answer for you. So yeah, some of it does go back to a pre-new Death by DVD, the Death by DVD redo, the Death by DVD reboot, whatever you want to call it. But more or less, I think it's a, an accusation, a damning accusation in which uh, haters, haters are going to hate. Is that the saying? Haters going to hate? I don't know what to tell you. Uh, am I Hank Defer T. Sawyer? Am I Harry Scott Sullivan? It doesn't really matter. What matters is I, Alexander Nash, and Hank are your uh, guides through hell, guides into the psychotronic vaults and labyrinth of cinema and media weirdness. And Yeah, you don't need too much, right? Is that good, Alex? Does that answer your question? <laughs> Not at all, right? It's this fucking guy talking about. I mean, it was an answer. It's something. So let's move on. Uh, Lewis or Louis. Sorry. Lewis or Louis. What are both hosts' favorite movies? Son of a bitch. Mother. <laughs> so now I, I understand because the, the tag attached to this email was, these questions are good. And I couldn't tell if it was good for the show or good because they're just going to annoy the living shit out of me. And Going with Louis or Lewis's question, what are both hosts' favorite movies? This is just going to be... This is worse. If I'd have just gone ahead and done the really long, dragging monologue, it probably would have been over at this point. We could have just done a couple questions. But now I'm going to end up... (sighs) Talking. I'm going to talk for a long time. Because this is an awful question. I, Alexander Nash, I can answer this for, surprisingly enough. His favorite movie is Glengarry Glen Ross, and his second favorite movie technically is three, and it is the Dead Trilogy by George A. Romero, Not a Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. Me, on the other hand, I don't know. I have historically said for years Aliens by James Cameron is my favorite movie, and uh, it's got a lot of love. It's, I have a lot of passion for it. I, I really enjoy James Cameron, but I don't even know if I could say he's one of my favorite directors. Uh, you know, I, I, re- I have a lot of... A passion for the movie, but sitting down and even watching it now is exhausting. It's one of those things, and I know it sounds uh, kind of blasé, but I'm just over it. I enjoy the movie for what it is, but there's a lot of movies in that same category that I've seen a thousand times, and I'm over it. I know them well enough. I don't really need to go back and see it for the, you know, 4K beautiful restoration, and you've never seen it this way before, you know, with deleted sequences or whatever package you're trying to sell it to me. I've seen Aliens, and I've obsessed over it for quite some time. Trying to, you know, like a grown-up, answer the question and give an adult answer. Fuck, I don't know, man. Uh, My tastes change, not even sporadically, they change constantly. Week to week, I get into something else, and I try to to watch a lot. You know, uh, film is is very important to me. Uh, Movies in general is is one of my favorite ways of taking art. So I watch a lot of them, and, you know, I watch a lot of trash, I watch a lot of good things, and... Certain influences touch me, certain people repetitively I can enjoy, but a lot of the times when it comes to, you know, movies that I really, really love, it's kind of like a one-and-done thing. I I referenced Phase 4, I think, uh, earlier by by Saul Bass, the only film Saul Bass ever made. An incredible career researching and and just looking into some of the things that this guy is responsible for is just amazing. You know, um, the Packard Bell logo, the AT&T logo, yet alone the introduction and, um, you know, title sequences are some of the most prolific films in the the golden age of Hollywood moving into the 60s and into the 70s. But, you know, Phase 4, it's one of my favorite movies, one and done sort of thing. I'm very, very fond of Return of the Living Dead. O'Bannon didn't do, you know, a lot majorly you know uh, it's a it's a fucking great movie but again it's like oh is that really one of your favorite movies and it's just an ongoing question i mean um videodrome and paris texas i think are are the two constants that i can always answer that um throughout whatever stage of my life or you know evolution or de-evolution rather or you know your thoughts change you change you grow old things just become different 
Videodrome and Paris, Texas always remain two constants. I love David Cronenberg. I love Wim Wenders. Um, it's the style of both of the movies. The story of both of the movies are, I guess, timeless in, in my little peanut brain. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Wings of Desire, The Road Warrior, Club Dread. I mean, it's it's just such a weird list. Uh, I, I really can't pin down. I, and that's a... I don't think it's so much a problem, but there's just so many things that I enjoy, and it really goes down to the mood. I mean, I could say even to an extent Murder Party by Jeremy Saulnier is a favorite movie of mine, but only in certain feelings, only in certain times. Um, Evan Glottel's Bellflower is a favorite film of mine, but I can't sit down and watch that regularly. It invokes, you have to have a certain emotion being invoked to be able to sit and watch something like that. So it all changes, it's all temporary something's my favorite movie for a long time and i'm fascinated with something and it just you know dissipates and i don't watch it for another five years but i can truly say you know the texas chainsaw massacre videodrome paris texas and we'll throw in murder party because that is something that i I really go back to and i i really really enjoy and i love seeing somebody grow and when you watch sonia's first films compared to where he is now there's just such a unique difference um, but he's always managed to keep his soul, and I think that's really interesting. Watch him make a fucking Pixar movie next, but hey, I'll still suck its dick. So I, again, this is like the first question from Alex. I don't know if I answered this very well. I can I can tell you right off the bat, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and the Dead Trilogy. Those are Alexander Nash's favorite movies. I, on the other hand, give a long-winded answer that really isn't an answer at all. Again, man... Not the best idea to have me, you know, handle and yield uh, the Q&A part of the show, but whatever, we're going to dig on through. We're going to keep trucking in the free world and not make any more references to Black Eyed Peas songs. We'll keep on trucking in the free world. Wait, that's like a Grateful Dead and a Neil Young reference mixed together. Whatever. Fuck it. Next question. You know, it would have been a lot cooler if there was like a narrator asking the questions and then I answer them. That, in hindsight, probably would have been a lot more fun. Andrea Andrea asks Andrea asks Andrea asks Oh it's so uh it's like I Alexander Nash is here and he's interrupting me and I can't finish what I was saying. Oh man, that's great. I love it. It's like doing it's it's like a full show. <clears throat> All right, uh, do I have to say it again or are you just going to do it? Andrea asks what made you guys decide to no longer do a live show? Yeah, see, when there's a narrator that does it, it sounds a lot more official. It sounds a lot cooler. Um, well, I don't think it was so much uh, an, a deeply thought out thing when it when it came to to what happened. And this this goes back to last year. We were still doing a live show prior to uh, July 9th, our our tenth anniversary. And we, I, you know, the, the whole show had changed. I think the direction of the show had changed. What we were attempting to do wasn't quite perfect for a live format. And we were beginning to venture into pre-recording episodes and posting them um, to be released live. So a little bit of a white lie, but we were trying to move into a new future and we're having just ridiculous problems. Every time we tried to do a show, uh, it just, it, nothing came out. The recording process was going to hell in a handbasket. So we had to make a choice and uh, we've done something for so many years and that's what we had gotten used to in our manner of performing and the characters that we had created had, you know, become based on doing things live. And uh, uh, the big choice here was, well, I guess we're, we're going to have to abandon that and we're just going to have to pick up the pieces and see what happens. So we, you know, got a website. We started things up. Our entire recording process is, is completely different now. And, you know, without, with, with evading some details here, because uh, to be quite honest, it's rather boring of how the show is recorded. We've changed things up. We've taken a direction and really attempting to provide a, a more unique sound quality. I, I wouldn't say it's better, but I mean, it's definitely better. It sounds way better than, you know, the black metal-esque quality that we were formerly producing, but nothing's perfect. We take a lot more effort in picking the movies and, and what the discussion is going to be about. And in general, just the show is is just not the same and it wasn't quite right for a live broadcast it wasn't what we had in mind and what we were attempting to show in the product that we uh, wanted to put out for people and a big point here too is 
you know, yeah, we're, we're doing this, but it's not free. You know, the, the software, the equipment, everything involved, there is money, effort, and time put into this, and it's not for our own sakes. We love the fact that people message us, people talk to us, people are interested in listening and, and learning something new. And despite it being trivial, it's just movies. These guys just talk about movies. That's just such a shitty thing and just such a dumb thing to say because a film in general is a form of fucking art, and I've mentioned it quite often, but it's my favorite form of art. I think Alexander Nash is too, not trying to overly speak for him, but it's something we're both very, very passionate about, and when you spend all of your time doing this and acquire knowledge and acquire all these thoughts and opinions, you you can share them. You mean, it's it's like I hate comparing us to some cunt like Donald Trump, but that's all he does. He just sits and fucking rattles out nonsense on Twitter, and at least we sit and listen to fucking movie commentaries and try and give you something different. I mean, some movies I've never heard of. A lot of the stuff we feature on this show is new to me. It's new to Alexander Nash. It's the experience and the fun, I think, is a, is a big thing with why we like doing it. It's two very close friends, best friends, I'd say. Uh, I mean, Alexander Nash definitely is my best friend. Uh, talking, and we're sharing our opinions, learning more about each other, but we decided to share the world, you know, share with the world, let you guys hear it too, uh, good or bad, and I'm sure there's a lot of hot takes that I make, a lot of hot takes he makes that people don't agree on. It's not like we inherently try to get political, but a lot of the films that we pick have a value outside of it looks good, boobs, you know, there are other things to it, and what else do we have to do? This is what we've we've chosen after so many years of doing this. It's like giving up doesn't seem like an option. I mean, that's me. I just, you know, what's the point? Death by DVD is 11 now. Why would we stop? There's so many more movies. You know, there's there's literally so many more movies. And again, I think I completely evaded the question. No, I don't know. Not this time. I think I answered it. So, okay, yeah, I gave you a little bit here. Uh, we were having a lot of trouble with our servers, and it just wasn't what we, we wanted to do anymore. And I, I say we, but heavily, a lot of that comes down onto me. It wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. I The live performances, uh, some of them I really think are great, and you can hear a lot of them on Death by DVD Classics, but a lot of them are just dated, and it's not... Yeah, it's like when you go back and you watch episodes of South Park from 2006. At the time, they were on the nose, and it was dealing with all the hot topics and all the shit that was happening right then and there, but you listen to it eight years later, it's like, ah, I don't I don't even remember that. What was the Yuma Yuma dance? What? What? Insert Tim Allen noises here. Ah, ah, uh-oh. No, ah, 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 ah. Uh? Oh, ah, 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 the things have to change, or they die, and we decided to change things up, and that's the Death by DVD redo, the Death by DVD reboot, our, our new website. We're much more active on social media now. We have a web store. You can finally get Death by DVD merch after years of uh, people asking for t-shirts. We're out there. We're pushing, I guess, a little bit more. It's It's a whole new world, and I think we get caught up a lot with, with reviews and critics. And uh, yes, certainly Alexander Nash and myself are both critics, and that's a big point, a big basis of this show. But more or less than anything else, we are trying to allow you, the audience, anyone listening, to experience something different, to look at films differently, to look at movies, flicks, pictures, pics, whatever the fuck you want to call them, look at something differently, to intake art differently, and to perhaps look at something using rollerballs, a whipping boy, that otherwise you would think is somewhat silly and, and nonsensical, or even Zardoz. You know, so many people have questioned and commented, why did you guys do Zardoz? I'm, I don't know if I'm going to listen to a two-hour episode about Zardoz. Well, you're a fool and you're playing yourself. For the fact, not that you're not listening to the show, but you haven't seen Zardoz. That's a movie where Sean Connery wears the thong, right? Uh, you're, you just are missing something absolutely, completely amazing, but whatever piss on my parade we try to uh, have an extension i guess you know here's two guys two nerds two film nerds whatever the fuck you want to call us critics nerds i mean you could be nice and call us critics but i think most people just like to call us assholes you can listen to us and perhaps take something out of it you don't have to take the politics you don't have to take whatever else we're saying or, or philosophy that's behind it but jesus just take something i mean just Look at movies differently. 
I think that's the point. I don't even remember the question, so we're going to move on. I think it's time to move on. This next one comes from The Baron. In parentheses, they asked to be called this. I probably shouldn't have read that part. Whatever. So, The Baron says, how did Death by DVD begin? Uh, I've already gotten to this a few times a little bit, so we'll try and push on a little bit more. So, 2009, Alexander Nash is a horror artist. He is a blogger, an early blogger, um, I guess before his time, and a horror critic. And and I was coming off another show that was very, very similar, more or less a, a horror opinion sort of thing that I'd been working on for about a year or so. And Previously to that, I had done a horror radio show locally, and we had become friends over MySpace. We became friends, actually, over an argument over the movie The Thing, that he had made a post that one of the characters had a nose ring, and I thought that was absolutely ridiculous and looked it up and couldn't find any proof. And We had a little banter back and forth and ended up becoming pals, and that that's really the history of it. We He wanted to do a show. He, he asked me what I thought about it. I said, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And we, we went ahead and did it, and it's been 11 years. It's not uh, a very romantic story. It's not a, a passionate story. But really, uh, as I had referenced at the beginning of this, we have a love for horror, a love for film, a love for horror history in general. And, and uh, I think what really spawned it is we started having you know three- or four-hour phone calls that would just get crazy you know we would start talking about near dark and three hours later would be on you know roger watkins and and bizarre pseudo fake snuff films from the 1970s and uh, we realized that both of both of us had a pretty expansive knowledge of horror movies and this was 10 years ago so i mean what we knew then compared to what (laughs) what we know now i mean almost specifically because we both like to put a lot of work into the show and find new things and just learn as much as possible, and, and, and again, not for the show. It's just the, the passion and the love of film, the passion of seeing everything. I think Alexander Nash and myself both have the ridiculous idea in our head that we have to see every movie ever made, and that's just completely impossible. But when you're on that quest, you stick to that quest, and you try your fucking darndest to see every movie ever made. But a big difference, too, between Alexander Nash and myself is he is very specific to his genre. And, um, you know, he has seen quite a bit, and there is an age difference between us. So, you know, back in the, the 90s and uh, the early 2000s, during a, the heavy era of tape trading, he got to see a lot of things that I saw 10 years later. And it, it makes it a little bit more difficult sometimes when we're trying to see eye to eye on on things. But that, too, is a, one of the the biggest reasons we started the show is that we don't have the same opinion. Uh, Back in the day, we used to fight pretty regularly and rather volatile, and that's something that I hear a lot from from other audience members, from from just people questioning, why don't you guys fight anymore? There's no yelling. It's not as funny as it used to be. And, you know, this whole ramble I've been going on, things change, people change. We've gotten completely different tastes from what we had 10 years ago and to... Uh, shit that was funny 10 years ago just isn't funny now and it's it's just different it's observational more so than anything else i think that's something that uh nash really brings to the table is an observational comedy stance if anything to what we're, we're talking about and he incorporates a lot of things from his life and his philosophy and i on the other hand am a bit more pessimistic and uh, just as a critic in general i, I i'm weird I'm weird with how I watch movies. I'm weird with how I review movies. And if you've listened to this show, you can definitely tell that. It's uh, sweet and sassy. We're like Laverne and Shardley. That's a weird reference. That wasn't a good reference at all. We're not like Laverne and Shirley. Nash hates this one, but I like Aykroyd and Belushi. You know, he's the big freaky tall guy with webbed feet and... uh. I do a lot of cocaine. (laughs) So the Baron, I hope we answered, I hope we, me and my multiple personalities, I hope that I answered that question sufficiently for you. Man, this is a shit show. Oof. Oh, man. Whose dumbass idea was it to to leave me in charge of answering audience questions? I've not been uh, rude, I don't think. I don't think I've been rude yet, right? Dale asks, where's my narration? Dale asks. You're not going to read the question? What are you guys' favorite horror movies? I'm reading the email and he did say you guys. I like that. I like that, Dale. 
Um, God, you know, this is... <laughs> oh, no, Hank's going to talk for 10 minutes and never answer the fucking question. With Alexander Nash, I can fucking tell you, I've already said it before, the Dead Trilogy, which to him, he and he'll say this, it's one movie, Dead Trilogy. And then I think Knight Riders. But that's not a horror movie. Me, little old me... I mean, we. I kind of answered this um, with the the "What's your favorite movies?" question, but we're we're trying to specifically stay on horror. I don't know how horror video drum is considered, but Texas Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me is, uh, dare I say, one of the only perfect movies ever made. It, it is a opera of absolute fear and terror, and to this day, watching it still just strikes me with with just an inequivocal, empty feeling of terror that I just haven't felt with with really anything else. Just that. Uh, uh, fear of the unknown, just the pure xenophobia, I guess, that you can feel. Oh, I mean, that's not, uh, xenophobia really wouldn't be the, 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 I mean, fear of the unknown is xenophobia, but what I'm trying to say here is just the going out to some place you don't know and this horrible incident happening to you, these faceless, horrible people, and there's absolutely no safety. One of the uh, most horrifying scenes to me is when Sally finally makes it to the last chance gas station and Drayton just beats her with the the broom and it's just this awful laughing scene and it's just so it's just such a anxiety attack and it encompasses the absolute fear that I think you truly would feel being in just such a chaotic psychotic situation Texas Chainsaw Massacre is uh, it's it's perfect it's the magnum opus of Toby Hooper uh, just it's a beautiful beautiful movie Cronenberg, I'm incredibly fond of. Videodrome, again, like, I, I mean, it just comes down to me. I don't necessarily take that as a quote-unquote horror movie. Man. I mean, is is Near Dark a horror movie, too? I mean, I, I, we're really getting down to the thin blue line here. This is the problem of letting me answer the goddamn questions because I just can't answer them. It's just, you know, gonna go on and on and on and on and on. Favorite horror movie, we'll try and keep this simple and sweet, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and for Alexander Nash, I I, uh, I really think his favorite horror film is The Dead Trilogy. That's three in one. Take it as you will. Hopefully that answered your question, Dale. Tracy asks, do you ever review anything other than horror? Yeah, even recently. Uh, I've mentioned it a bunch of times. We did Zardoz um, a couple episodes ago. We've done Badlands, Repo Man, Dust Devil, Rollerball, Long Weekend. That's kind of horror. We did a whole Long Weekend, Long Weekend remake sort of thing. It, it, originally, and again, I mean, we're all of these questions, I guess, interconnect. And the, the longer we do this, the more of the other questions get answered. But originally with Death by DVD, yes, the core basis was it had to be horror. It had to be... Either horror exploitation, 42nd Street, uh, Grindhouse, it had to be horror, and we really focused on that for years. I would say uh, the first three or four years of the show was specifically aimed at a only horror audience, and then we started to venture out and moved. You know, I, I, I recall at one point we did a black exploitation special. We did a special all about the Asylum, the production company that works for Sci Fi Channel that makes those god awful fucking movies that I hate. Yeah, that was a stressful show. I actually think we had to record that one twice. We had to do a fucking The Asylum show twice. And we began venturing out and, you know, uh, encompassing things like sci-fi. I don't know how much comedy we've ever really done. I don't think, you know, personally, Alexander Nash is a real comedy guy. Uh, we've not really done westerns or war movies with our recent video nasty exploration. We've gotten into, you know, Nazi exploitation and kind of World War II movies. What we really try and just focus on now is just interesting topics, things that we can talk about. And, yeah, I mean, that's what anyone tries to do when they have a podcast or radio show or any venue to talk. Uh, well, I'd hope so. I can't speak for everyone, but more or less you want to try and have something provocative and interesting for people to listen to. And and my, my thoughts change, not change their opinion, but... Give them something new. Give the audience, give whomever decided to uh, to go down this road something unique, a different perspective. Even if they disagree with it, it's just something to, to think about. In itself, it's it's art. In itself, asking questions and adding um, any sort of thought to what you might have previously thought to be faff is, to me, uh, asking questions or making emotion is art in any format, whether it be love, painting, a film, a photograph, uh, 
bunch of cigarette butts glued to a candy box. It's it's all art. Weird reference. And we've done things like uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle and Brawl and Cell Block 99, Parasite. I wouldn't consider any of those things horror. Uh, horrific things happen in them. And Again, I think where we're at now is we it's just film, film in general. Uh, there's an emphasis on psychotronic cinema and exploitation and rare and strange things that go bump in the night but whatever whatever it's just whatever and like i mentioned at the beginning of the show if there's something you want us to talk about that you've been itching to hear death by dvd rave for the good or bad let us know we'll do it this is more or less for people it's not for us we enjoy the venue and we enjoy doing it but the fact that anyone listens the fact that anyone takes something out of it is the reason that we keep on trucking so hopefully, Tracy, that answered your question. Let's move on now to Scott. Oh, wait. Narrator. Scott asks, do you watch the movies together? We have watched movies together, but I don't think we've reviewed any of them on the show. Maybe. No. Yeah, we. Um, <laughs> that's a funny story. Years and years and years ago, we did a John Dies at the End episode, and I never bothered to watch or read it, and I lied the entire way through. And uh, we actually watched John Dies at the End together and then reviewed it after that, uh, an actual true review, which um, it's no longer available because it was a live episode. So I, I mention it, and you can't you know, type it up and look it up because I suck. Probably shouldn't have mentioned it. But it was a funny story. For the most part, um, I try to watch every movie before we do it, even if it's something that I've seen four or five times. Alexander Nash, on the other hand, doesn't always do it that way. Sometimes he'll have a refresher, but <clears throat> the man has the memory of an elephant, I guess you could say. And uh, his opinions withhold the sands of time. So we rarely, I mean, I, I, I think the only time we watch anything together is if we are doing a commentary, which we haven't done it quite some time. The last one available is uh, the final Resident Evil film. I think it's called Extinction or uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I <laughs> I I've really tried to not uh take up a lot of space in my brain with with the Resident Evil series, but that was the last commentary we did together. God damn, this is dragging. This is dragging. I'm so sorry. Uh it, it, again, these were the best questions for the show, or maybe for me, I don't know. I thought I was going to just get a, a bunch of, you suck, Hank's a dildo, but we, we have some legitimate questions, and I'm attempting to answer them as coherently as possible, but, ugh, oy vey. So, Scott, no, we um, usually do not watch the movies together. We just combine when we, we hit the road and start recording. Chris asks, will you guys ever vlog? We definitely have considered it. We have thought about doing it a few times, maybe for a special event or a holiday. It just comes down to the time that it takes to, uh, you know, edit everything, edit the audio, edit the video. And honestly, you know, we don't have a YouTube channel. We haven't really dived into that part of the Internet yet. So I don't know. I mean, it's something on the books. It's a great question. And it, it is something that we have considered. And Alexander Nash and I have both talked about and it would be fun. I don't see a reason why we wouldn't, but I wouldn't hold your breath that it would be anytime soon. Maybe this winter, maybe next year, but I see it in our future. Something special. Maybe we'll have a, a guest that was a, a regular thing. We used to have uh, a cavalcade of guests. We had actually a lot of pretty esteemed guests. We've had Roy Frumkeys on the show before. We've had the dearly departed Phil Nutman on the show, Greg Goodsell, Steve Bissett, Fred Vogel, Bianca Elaine. We've had a lot of fun guests. Chris Gilpin has been on this program before. A lot of fun writers, some directors, actors, and that was all uh, in the live format. We were much more adventurous, I will say, back then and had a little bit more fun. But one day we... We'll end up having, I guess this is two birds and one stones with questions. We definitely will have guests back on the show, and maybe we'll film that. I mean, but we will vlog. It, it's going to happen at some point. We'll expose our visages to the world. Just uh, stay tuned, I guess. So, Chris, I think that answered your question. I think that was one of the more straightforward answers tonight. The next question is from John. Why the fuck is everything so political? Why can't a zombie movie just be a zombie movie with you guys? 
Well, uh, sometimes it is. It just depends on what the movie. Uh, you can't expect me to sit down and talk about Day of the Dead and just treat it as some trivial movie. A bunch of guys are underground, and then one guy lets the zombie in, and then the zombies eat everybody, and they fly away to an island. That's what happens. Uh, yeah, it is. You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. But if you can't read into the subtext, fuck you. I mean, uh, wh where where are you coming from with this? I mean, are you going to sit down? Are you one of those people that say musicians shouldn't be political anymore? I'm tired of Bob Dylan being political. Why can't they just sing songs anymore? Is that is that your, your whole thing with this? Art is fucking political, inherently at its core. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say something like, the clown Sharknado movie has a very deep political value. But for the most part, George Romero did, for the most part, film, uh, paintings, music have always been used as a form of protest. Thinking otherwise is certainly devaluing the art form. You're looking at this as almost sheer entertainment. You're just passing your time, and that's fine. A lot of people do that with, with anything. There are books that I could say aren't considered art, or I would not consider art, that you could read simply for the sake of entertainment. Uh, to an extent, comics, the funny pages in the newspaper, how much of this could be considered some deep form of art? I can, I can understand arguments like that, but when you're looking at something like film, and I'm not talking about fucking Transformers, I'm not talking about Jar Jar Binks or whatever's going on with the Star Wars series today, I'm talking about an actual fucking movie. And what I mean, like, an actual fucking movie, not some Fellini or Jean-Luc Godard or... Antonioni fucking movie. It, it has nothing to do with that. I'm talking about, like, Night of the Living Dead. It inherently, at its core, has a political message, and it is a message triumphantly of protest, which is something that, obviously, the work of Romero is incredibly familiar with. I mean, don't just come at me with... Uh, you are not specifically coming at me. The audience, I mean... I'm addressing this question very uh, hostile, I guess. I'm getting a little spicy with this one. But sit down and watch it. Just watch it for yourself. Don't, don't hear our commentary. Don't hear what I, Alexander Nash, and I have to say and flout. Go, go fucking watch the movie. Watch Dawn of the Dead. Shit, even Monkey Shines has a deeper meaning than a monkey with a straight razor. It's exhausting having to have this debacle, and you get it all the time. I hear it all the time. Well, what gives you the right... To say this, you don't know how hard it is. I do. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about this if we didn't know. If this was some willy-nilly program where we just jumped on the air and decided to talk shit, it would be one thing. But most of the people that want to debase anything we have to say are just mad because we didn't agree with them or they had turmoil or a little problem that is the hardest thing in the world to them. And it's expected for it to matter. You know, things are hard. Art is hard. The process is difficult. And if the product sucks, the product sucks. There's absolutely nothing I can do about that. But if the product is inherently political at its base and the message is inherently political at its base, then that's what has to be called out. You know, I'm not going to sit and give you this entire deep meaning that Snatch is actually about the Russians coming into Afghanistan. No, I'm not trying to lie to you. I'm not trying to make this uh, based on what my philosophy and politics are, but I'm just going to fucking tell you as it is. If you sit down and you watch talk radio, the Eric Bogosian movie, and you don't think that has a political meaning behind it, then you're fucking stupid. I want ratings and success. I don't give a damn about you or the world. That's the truth. For this, I could say I'm sorry, but I won't. Why should I? I mean, who the hell are you anyways, you audience? And I'm just going to have to call it out that way. Not everything is some deep-seated, overtly political message, but something like the dead next door? Yeah, it has some political value. A shot on shitty, a weird zombie movie. But at the same time... Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's there. Now, the other end of that is just because we see it doesn't mean it's there. But I will die on this goddamn hill when it comes to George Romero and our... I think, God, we've had like 60, 70 hours between Alexander Nash and myself on this program of discourse on the politics and philosophy of Romero's work. And I will stand by every single second of it. And... That's where I take this question back to its original format. Why can't a zombie movie just be a zombie movie? It can be. It sure as shit can be. But even Return of the Living Dead is uh, inherently got some political messages behind it. Uh, this was a spicy answer. This was a... Uh, 
He got some yelling at him. He got a little loud noises at me. So, John, why the fuck is everything so political? Get out of art. Stop appreciating art. I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, fi- figure out something else to do. Get into wood cutting. Smoke some cigarettes. I don't, I don't know. That's a hobby. You can just sit around and smoke cigarettes. I don't know what to tell you because art at its core is political. And I, I, I we're going to move on because I'll just keep ranting and raving. And that's the last thing we need right now. We're making good time. So. Ooh. Amanda asks, this one is for Hank. What does the world's greatest part mean? Uh, that I'm the world's greatest? That's that's kind of what it means. No, no but the, <laughs> I am the world's greatest. Don't get it fucking crossed. I am. But it is a Don Coscarelli reference. Jim, the world's greatest. Hank, the world's greatest. Um, a movie Coscarelli made before Phantasm with Angus Scrimm and A. Michael Baldwin. Reggie Bannister. 1976, 1975, I think was the release date. Yeah, it's a Don Coscarelli reference. Shit, this was an easy question. There, there was like no rambling, no ranting with this one. Yeah, uh, I am the world's greatest, and it's a Don Coscarelli joke. Alex Two asks, "How do you guys prepare for shows?" Was there an Alex One, or was that his name, Alex Two? Whatever. Um, drugs. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> probably shouldn't have been the answer um, funnily enough Alexander Nash is a teetotaler he abstains from alcohol and he no longer smokes cigarettes uh, formerly it used to be a big running joke that we were both uh, ridiculous heavy smokers I am I still am and I don't say that in a bragging manner. It's a horrible habit, and I definitely should quit, and I don't ever condone somebody starting smoking because it smells like shit, and it's awful. But um, uh, this is, a, I guess, a hard one. We we come up with the ideas. We, we shoot a lot of stuff off of each other, and we'll formulate whatever our list is and whatever we're coming down to. I find them, sit down and watch them. Sometimes I procure copies of them because I'm interested in the, you know, commentaries or whatever knowledge I might learn from the special features. Some of the boutique labels these days, like Severin and Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow, you know, they really, they, they just go all out if you're into film history, horror history. If you just want to know more about the product, they really, I mean, especially like Vinegar Syndrome, I, it's one of my favorite labels. They really, really go all out. You can learn a, a great deal if you're interested in the subject matter. I like to research things. Um, I personally write down every movie I watch. I have a notebook where I write down absolutely every movie I watch because that's my general interest. When I see a film, I want to learn about it. I want to learn about the actors and the production company and where it was shot, how it was made. Even if it's you know an a, absolutely awful movie I spent nine minutes actually watching and the rest of it on my phone, I still have a general interest in it. So when I'm preparing for shows, I guess it's a bit more difficult than how... Um, you know, I, I can't answer definitely for him, but how I know how I, how I know of Alexander Nash preparing, I kind of dig in. I try and get into, you know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing. If it's a John Saxon movie, I want to learn as much about John Saxon at the time of the movie. I want to have something to say, and I think that's uh, sort of the fluency and what makes things really interesting with Death by DVD. Is I will put a lot of background research into a certain topic and about five seconds of that will end up on the show because Alexander Nash has a different approach and we get very um, cerebral into things. And here and there, you'll learn something. There'll be some trivia. There'll be more or less uh, a philosophical opinion, which sounds fucking arty and stupid. A philosophical opinion. But it happens. I mean, that's kind of how things are formed and how it all comes together. And then we just jump into it when we're doing it. A lot of people have asked uh, over the years if the show is scripted. And to an extent, back in the day, a lot of things were planned. We would come up with bits. We had, um, you know, planned introductions. But it's it's a bit more chaotic now. We kind of complete the yin and yang. I come from one field, and he comes from another, and all these things combine. And uh, you know, we have a show. And obviously, with any product, things have to be edited. Things have to be, you know, put together like Play-Doh, and sometimes it's difficult, sometimes we mesh and things are absolutely perfect and easy, but uh, it's 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 just a, a whole different thing. I mean, if you're asking what we do beforehand, like how we get ready for the show, it used to be a joke, it was called Crunch Time, where uh, 
smoke some pot and have a beer and then get ready to do the show. But Alexander Nash, that's, this is a question I guess he's going to have to answer more or less on his own. I really can't tell you what he does uh, beforehand, you know. Ketamine and jerk off. I don't know. So, I don't know if this has gotten any smoother or better or worse from the beginning or, or where we're at now, but... This is going to make for an interesting episode. Vicky asks, when is the movie Hank is in coming out? Oh, well, Opening the Mind from 2019 by Michael Maggot is available on his website, I believe. Michael Maggot, or Maggot Films, M-A-G-G-O-T-F-I-L-M-S dot com, maggotfilms.com. And Dark Tales from Channel X by Manny Serrano will maybe be available later this year, maybe early next year. I really can't say. I don't have a lot of information on that. But you can find that on IMDb. And again, Michael Maggot, maggotfilms.com. You'll be able to find Opening the Mind, which I appear in, albeit very briefly. And Dark Tales from Channel X had a lot more work on than I'm in. I know I'm in the movie. It's a very brief scene. I don't know how long it is. I think there's some dialogue. You might get to hear me tell a joke or two. But uh, that was a production thing. I was a PA on that, and I shot all the behind-the-scenes footage. So hopefully when that gets a release, you'll be able to see some of my work on there. Justin asks, Boxers or Briefs? Well, I, Alexander Nash, wears very, very tight whitey tighties, and uh, I, I like the breeze. Listen to the wind blow. I don't wear underwear, so weird question, but I answered it. There you go, Justin. Mitch asks, what do movies mean to you? Oh, well, I, uh, you know, so I, I, I can't jump in and answer for Alexander Nash in a situation like this because I'm sure he would have some deep philosophical uh, thing to say or he'd go, ah, I don't know, I like him. So I, I really can't answer for you, but I've said it a million times. I think I've said it a handful of times on this episode alone. It's it's my favorite venue of art. I, 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 I have a hard time trying to convey and show what I consider art. And Truthfully, I think it's because I consider everything art. I think if you spend your whole day raking your lawn, you have created an act of art. I think if you buy the McDouble for the person behind you in line at McDonald's, you're committing an act of art. I think art is anything that evokes emotion and soul and makes you think, but it also is something that has to be creative. It has to uh, be opening a door. It has to be opening your mind to something new and to something different. And each time you experience art, it is completely different. And, I mean, you can look at something like a Monet painting. You can look at this weird, blurry, pink mix of colors and feel a, a form of emotion, but you can also watch something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and equally feel an emotion, whether it's horror or, I mean, horror is not so much an emotion, but fear, excitement, dread... All of these things, all of these processes, these chemicals that are firing in your brain and making you feel these ways, it's all art. Everything is art. Let's say you've had a child. That's art. Let's say that you're a dog parent and you made them uh, the best dog jacket in the world. I mean, that's a weird example, but everything can come down to, to art. Even something as mundane and stupid as putting gas in your car, if you can find a way for it to touch you and be imaginative, it's art. And... Even if it's a bad movie, even if it was, you know, made by a bunch of college students with 20 bucks and it's just shitty, it's still some form of art. And being a critic is, is really difficult because people constantly want to see the bad in things. People want to hear when you don't like something and they want to attack that and they want to focus on that. And they don't want to uh, look at anything differently. And I can completely understand, you know, there's a few movies that the, the directors and people that were part of the production have gotten offended because of things Alexander Nash and I have said and by no means do we ever go out with the intent of being assholes or being rude for the sake of being rude sometimes it sucks that uh, we don't see what the production staff and what the director uh, intended for you to see but again we are the audience we are the people you want to make art but you don't want to take the criticism and personally for me the more criticism I can get whether it be something like you suck or that last episode was a little quiet. 
or it was a little staticky, whatever, it doesn't matter. That criticism fuels making tomorrow and tomorrow's art uh, more productive to continue it. Uh, you're listening, you're hearing, and if somebody's criticizing it, good news and bad news is still news. It's still something. And a bad review is still a review. It's still somebody talking. It's still somebody that took the time to feel the emotion. And that's where it all comes back to, film being my favorite venue of art, because the emotion that is behind it. Now, I'm not saying that I don't look at Bosch paintings or, 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 or Bacon paintings, and, and I don't feel things. I do. I absolutely do. In fact, some of my favorite painters are abstract artists, and that that's what I do. I have always been incapable of sitting down and painting a beautiful picture of a field. That It always comes out abstract, and I fight it. I sit and I try so hard, and I pay attention to detail, and it's just what I am capable of, and that's really... What happens, you, you try and you create something, and it's never exactly what you want it to be. So when somebody criticizes it, obviously, uh, you know, if they didn't see it the way you wanted it to be seen, it's going to be offensive and it's going to hurt you. But that's the general point of everything. That's the general point of art. And as long as film has existed, film criticism has existed. It doesn't matter if it's that 14-minute Edison Studios Frankenstein movie or Goodfellas. Somebody is going to have something to say about it. And that goes for absolutely everything, and it even goes back to art being inherently political. There's not anything a politician can do that somebody doesn't have something neither good nor bad to say. There's always going to be an opposing side. There's always going to be a yin and a yang and a yes and a no and an up and a down and a black and a white. It's always going to transition that way, and you can't look at one thing and expect to not have the other. So when you get heated, when you get upset, well, God damn it, those motherfuckers, they said this thing that I just don't agree with. It's all art, baby. That's what it is, man. It's all art, baby. It's art. I mean, who am I to say that your weird puke porn isn't art? If you feel a certain way and your audience feels a certain way and people dig it a certain way, then that's what the fuck it is. I can't tell you what color the sky is. If you want to argue with me all day long that it's black, then uh, to you, the sky is black. Who am I to say anything different? The whole point to make something tangible out of this very bizarre, uh, emotional little thing here. So you got me spicy twice tonight, guys. You got me spicy twice tonight. But to make this tangible, to make something matter out of this, it's, it's just the fluency. It's just the beauty of it. Like recently, I, uh, I watched a movie by Steven Soderbergh called The Limey, and I wasn't expecting to get upset. I wasn't expecting to, to cry, to get really emotional over what I thought was going to be like a sexy beast or maybe a snatch or even maybe to the vein of like the long good Friday. And I was just absolutely flabbergasted by how emotional, I mean, it's Steven Soderbergh. He does pretty good work. Um, pretty good work. Yes. Steven Soderbergh does pretty good work. Says that guy on death by DVD. It's not bad. <laughs> He's a phenomenal guy. Uh, the, the Che Guevara movies, the part one and two long as shit, but, but man, really provocative um the entire point is feeling you feel something you you go to a museum you go to france and you stand around and you see these big weepy paintings and you feel the sympathy van gogh was a tortured artist life was so hard for him what about fucking cassavetes i mean i'm not saying he's van gogh but that's a tortured artist if i ever saw one uh river phoenix as an actor that's a tortured artist i ever saw one but people Look at celebrities. They look at directors. They they don't care. Well, he's a junkie. Fucking whatever. Cokehead. He was a drunk. He was this. He was that. But you have this. Oh, I just can't believe Edgar Allan Poe's life was so bad. The cousin fucker who possibly died of rabies and couldn't stay sober for five minutes. All right, whatever. H.P. Lovecraft was so depressed. He's also a venomous racist and a bigot and really, really, really hated the Jews. But I guess we're going to forget about that because he was a tortured artist. But for some reason, we're going to talk about somebody like Steve McQueen. Oh, he died of cancer. And that's what, the legacy that we're left behind with these people? For some reason, artists, when it comes to filmmaking, filmmakers, actors, they're not ever given the same thought. People will talk about certain people, you know, Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, Akira Kurosawa, Jean-Luc Godard, Federico Fellini, these people, they're gods, they're absolutely wonderful, but the guy uh, shooting in his fucking backyard with a Panasonic camera just trying to get a shot done, eh, it's indie. It's home movies. It, there's always some uh, 
we're trying here. I'm trying to wrap this up. There's always some negativity. There's always some blasé thought of sheerly being entertainment. And, of course, you've got a very big bourgeois aspect when it comes to film because you've got rich kids saying they're independent filmmakers with a million-dollar budget from their mom and dad or no money that actually they've had to earn or, or worry about, and they're still contesting and fighting with those Robert Rodriguez types that went out there and pretty much sold their body. I'm not saying Robert Rodriguez was a sex worker, but he you know, went out of his way to do drug testing, um, he, he funded his picture every way completely possible. He still has scars on his body from experimental drugs that he allowed to be tested on himself to make El Mariachi. These people have to contest with trust fund babies with $30,000 they can just go slap a movie to but still are insulted by somebody like Lloyd Kaufman offering to buy it and produce it because it's stealing from them. The whole industry has become this... Uh, just bullshit market of everyone's mad at each other because they don't get a chance and the whole fucking thing is art. It's just like trying to get a painting sold. You talk about guys like Van Gogh, guys who didn't even become successful until they were dead. It's not the same. I think what caught me and, and, and made me addicted to film in general was the different levels of emotion. From being able to sit and watch something like a Chevy Chase movie to Killing Zoe and then transitioning to something like Near Dark or... Red Desert, uh, all these things, all these worlds that you can venture to, all these small universes that have been captured by the filmmaker. It's, it's a living painting. Takes us back to something I've discussed recently on the show. This is from L.Q. Jones that he worked with Sam Peckinpah early on in his career, and what he took majorly from Sam Peckinpah is a belief that he had, and it's not so much a belief as a truth, an inherent truth, and that is a motion picture is a picture. What you are conveying literally is a picture. If you can't make a movie and make it acknowledgeable, make it followable to the audience by just watching it, then you've completely failed. If you can't turn the volume off and just watch the movie and follow the story, then you have not told a story whatsoever. What counts more than anything is your visuals. And I know... Oh, but sound design is so amazing. I mean, there's sound design is very important. Yes, it is, but it's a motion picture. You're capturing an image the most decadent thing. You are literally making moving art, something that uh, people have tried for thousands and thousands of years to even capture in, uh, down to things like cave paintings. You are doing the infinite. It's all art, and that's what I think possesses me and what makes me just enchanted by the entire thing is falling into the universe, the world that the director is trying to uh, make for you, and not everybody does that. Sure. That's not the point, I guess, of every movie, but something like The Limey by Steven Soderbergh. I fell into a world that I was not expecting to fall into, and by the end of it, I was uh, it was emotional, and it was enough to make me feel. Feelings, thoughts, it's all art. Uh, this has... Oh, dear Mitch. Dear, dear Mitch, you just opened the weirdest rant and can of worms, I think, on this entire episode. What do films mean to you? And I, of course, have taken this much personally because Nash isn't here and it's allowed me to ramble, rant, and rave. But thank God it somehow didn't turn into a ten-point essay of why I think the Unabomber isn't that bad of a guy. It didn't turn out that bad. So, Mitch, I don't know if I answered your question. I think I ranted incoherently for... A handful of minutes, uh, a good amount of time, but hey, you got an answer. Last one? Is this the last one? Brian asks, Cuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just says cuck. <laughs> All right, that's my favorite one. <laughs> it just, Brian, cuck. <laughs> that's the best. All right, Brian. Fuck your mother. Um. <laughs> That, all right, wow. Jesus fucking Christ. So happy birthday, Death by DVD. Happy birthday to us. We have done this for 11 years. Nobody asked for it. Nobody has said, hey, keep doing this. But we have, and we're here. <laughs> we're here whether you like it or not. I'd like to personally say I, I deeply thank Alexander Nash for working with me for a decade and one year. It has been such a wonderful relationship from just two guys that met on the internet to, we. I mean, I consider him with the utmost respect, my family, and I love him with all my heart. I love this show. I love our audience. I love all of you. 
I hope all of you that listen to this at least laugh and have some fun. You learn something. You, you watch a new movie. One of the most heartwarming things to me, somebody that over the years has become a beloved friend, somebody named Vicky. I don't know if it was the same Vicky that answered this question or, or sent us a question or not, but uh, shot on Shittio. You can find her on Instagram. Somebody that's become a beloved friend, and it initially started because they'd never seen Sleepaway Camp, and they heard our episode about it, and they came to us, and they uh, the horsecock, you know, I don't know. If you're an old fan, you'll remember the horsecock episode, but this stayed with this person uh, from then till now, 10 years, and it, it warms my heart when I hear stories like that. I love that we turn you on to new things, that we show you movies you otherwise might not have heard of. That's the goal of a horror host. That's the goal of... Anyone interested in film, I want to show you things. I want you to see what I've seen, and I want you to think about it. I, I love the idea of being able to express art to everyone. And direly important things like uh, the drive-in are coming back. Some of these ridiculous grindhouse movies that have forever been lost, things like movies by Don Doler, movies by... Roger Watkins, God, the Grindhouse releasing, put the Evil Dead back in theaters at, at, at drive-ins. What a wonderful era, what a wonderful world. If anything that we can do right now, death by DVD to you, the mutant family, the horror family, the listeners, film, whomever the fuck's out there hearing this. We want to show you art. We want to express it. We want you to watch some movies. We want you to check out and see things differently and have fun. Just just have some fun when you're listening to us. I know it can be a drag, and I know it can get analytical, and it just gets boring sometimes. But if anything, you come back, you keep listening to us. What we want is you to be happy. This is an escape. This is a place for you to lose your mind and find a new world and a new venture, you know? I don't know. I'm getting weird here. I'm getting philosophical. But thank you, audience, for listening to Death by DVD. Thank you, Alexander Nash, for 11 years of uh, becoming my family, my best friend. Just the same to the audience. All of you out there that listen and support, you've all become our family. And from the bottom of my heart, I'm sure I can extend this with Nash. We thank you so very, very much for 11 years. Without anyone listening, we would have stopped, but at least one fucking person. Here's the show, and it's for you. It's all for you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. The ashtray is full. The bottle is empty. We'll see you next week. This is Death by DVD. I am This host, is Death Alexander by DVD. I am your host, Alexander Nash. And with me, as always, is my co-host. This co-hosts. is Death by this DVD. Is Death by host, DVD. I am your host, Alexander Nash. And with me, as always, is my co-host. With me, as always, is my co-host. With me, as always, is my co-host. It's Hank. 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 With that, the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. We'll see you next week. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. Do you ever fantasize about listening to Hank?